Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is living a meaningful family caregiver life. On Family Caregivers Unite, we hear time and time again about the stress of family caregiving on family caregivers' lives, health, and finances. So how can family caregivers be helped in living a meaningful life, and in reducing the stress and strain they experience. This is and must be one of the most important questions for family caregiving and family caregivers. To help uh, answer it, my guest today is Dr. Kenneth Herman. Dr. Herman is a board-certified clinical psychologist and fellow in the American Academy of Clinical Psychologists. He's the author of the self-help book, Secrets from the Sofa, A Psychologist's Guide to Achieving Personal Peace. The books received many literary awards in the categories of psychology, mental health, health, guide to college students, and as the best personal growth book of the year. Now, Ken was the director of the psychological service in Teaneck, New Jersey, for many years, He's also taught at the university level, consulted in industry, conducted research, and lectured extensively in the field of mental health. He's appeared on numerous radio and television programs. He also serves on the board of trustees of a free primary medical care facility in Hackensack, New Jersey, and this is for the uninsured. So welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Now, the first question is... We want to know more about your background as a psychologist, please. Well, I thought you covered it pretty extensively there. I've been a psychologist, it feels like, about 100 years. But uh, uh, I, I spent three years at the Massachusetts General Hospital on the staff there before uh, launching the Psychological Service Center in, in Teaneck, New Jersey, and, uh, and ran that center for many years. Uh, almost 50 years uh, diagnosing and treating and uh, seeing many, many patients and lectured extensively in, in the field, as you 
as you said, and trained many psychologists and served on many examining boards. And uh, I've done just about everything that a clinical psychologist could do over the years. It's and, a great. Uh, I was just going to say that. So that's a great line. Now, I want to ask you about this award-winning book of yours, Secrets from the Sofa, which I think is a wonderful title. Who did you write it for, and why did you write it for them? Well, Abe Lincoln was concerned about the uh, disappearance of uh, life's achievements. So I always had it in my mind to, to preserve all of the things that I did in the field of psychology, especially the things that were effective with the patients. So I started writing about 15 years ago about all of the things that I knew. I wrote about relationships and sexuality and depression and anxiety and phobias. And before I knew it, I had about 900 pages that became unwieldy. So uh, Secrets from the Sofa is a compilation of all the things that were effective with the patients. And uh, it's really a catalyst for change. It's an opportunity for a reader to, to make an assessment of their personality and to see how they can develop greater self-confidence, better coping skills, and generally improve the quality of their life. It's an opportunity for, for them to take a personal inventory and to see what issues they want to deal with, where they might be stuck. Maybe it's on a job. Maybe it's in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's with tension. Maybe it's with anxiety. Maybe there are some fears that they have to look at. And it really, and I've heard from so many readers that have been able to make significant changes in their life. So that's why I call it a catalyst for change. It really is a reader friendly, interesting book with case studies and penetrating questions and, and, uh, and a theme. That, uh, that is for, for people to pat themselves on the back for their strengths and not to find fault with themselves. Great. Now, you talk about personal peace. How does that relate to a meaningful life? Personal peace, what is it? Well, if we don't have peace of mind, uh, what's the opposite of peace of mind? It's feeling tension and stress. Life is very difficult. It's tough. And if you're not strong emotionally, you're not ready to cope with it. So peace of mind is really being in control of your life. It's being emotionally secure. It's being confident. It's being able to cope. It's being able to find solutions for problems. It's having goals and direction, being satisfied and proud of who you are, it's feelings of self-worth. Happiness doesn't stem from from money or things, it, it stems from feeling self-worth, you know, being proud of who you are, leading a productive life, having good values, being compassionate and caring and enjoying relationships. And that's all, that all encompasses the, the, uh, the peace of mind. You have peace of mind if you have control of your life, control of what you eat and, and and habits that are healthy habits, like exercising and reading and, and doing interesting things and self-actualizing, making, making your life as dynamic and as meaningful as possible. That's what I, that's what I consider. Right. Now, piece. 
very clear. I, as you know, we're focusing today on family caregivers. So here's my question. How different, if at all, are the challenges that family caregivers experience in achieving personal peace from the challenges experienced by people who aren't family caregivers but are still striving to achieve personal peace? How do right. they do That's a very good question. Life in general produces a challenge. You know, for all people, it's, life is not, it's not easy. It's a challenge. There's, you know, there's, there's death, there's sickness, there's, there's constantly things to adjust with. Caregivers are doing what everybody should be doing, and that is showing care and concern for someone in need. People who are emotionally stable and confident and in charge of their life and bring strength to the, to the task of caregivers. They make much better caregivers. If, 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 care, if a caregiver is troubled themselves, how are they going to really be in a great position to help? So they're, they're a, the, the more confident person is in a better position to care for others. Anytime you, uh, you show concern for others, it, it's rewarding. And in order to do that, you have to feel secure to be a giver. People that are unsecure are, are looking for help and not in the best position to give help. So what I'm getting from that is something profoundly important, and that is, uh, first of all, everybody facing a challenge um, faces the same kind of challenge. It's, it's, it may be different in type and quality, but it's not different in principle for family caregivers. I think that's, that's a key point. And then the second point is, what you've just said is that giving, giving care, contributing to care, helping people is in fact a good way um, to achieve things like personal peace. Now, just say to me, have I interpreted you correctly in that last part that I said? Well, there's... You know, you know, people tell me I'm, I'm very, uh, very concerned about other people. I get more than I give. If you're a giver, you know, it's a tremendous amount of personal satisfaction that comes back to you. And uh, see, what I'm driving at here is that family caregivers are giving. Um, there's no question about that. They're giving, as we said before, to the point of exhaustion. You know, they don't know where the next rest is coming from. We mm -hmm. talked about giving them respite and that kind of thing. So it seems to me that your message um, to them could be almost, and I'll say it for you, that in your book are important messages for family caregivers who are on the giving end of care. That's right, is it? In my book... <laughs> I, the, the, the most significant thing I can say on your program today is for anybody that's a caregiver to pat themselves on the back and give themselves credit, not, not find fault with themselves. They deserve a great deal of credit for giving of themselves and caring and having the concern for somebody else in need. Now, we are going to be talking more about this question of back-patting and also the question of how people can deal with some of the stresses and strains that they feel. But just to continue with the backpathing, I wonder what I'm saying, I keep asking you this, not because you're unclear, but because this is so profoundly important, that 
being a family caregiver is almost a privileged position because it enables you to give and give. Giving is what you say brings us human beings satisfaction. So that's a very, very good start for family caregivers. I'm not Absolutely. sure... Yeah, I'm not sure how widely that message is understood, which is why your idea of the pat on the back uh, is so very important. And I hope that the <laughs> we're, going, we're going to get round to some of the pats on the back that are so important in this, um, um, in this story that we're making. Now, I just want to go back to personal peace, because when you're giving... Um, is that a road to personal peace, or is there something else that has to be given, achieved, or dealt with to get to that peace? Well, I think it all starts with with feeling confident in yourself, you know, and and having a good set of values. And if life is is pretty good for you, it's it's easy for you to take an interest in others, especially people that are close to you, people that you love. Yeah, yeah. So I think then what we're leading up to is um, the questions in the next segment, which we're going to go to in a moment, um, which will bring us to um, the difficulties that people have, not with what you're saying or not with your your concept and your theories, but with the practice, the sort of situations they find themselves in where, um, and I'm kind of putting words into their mouths, but the sort of things I've heard, and I think we all hear, are that uh, maybe that job satisfaction isn't always what we would like it to be. So I'm going to take the break now, and we're going to come back to those questions, and um, that these are ones that are really going to can put you on the spot. So let's take the breaks now. We do have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Averley, and my guest is Dr. Kenneth Herman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. What if you could get the information that you've always needed from a good friend? If you don't know her already, you'll want to meet Janet Zapala. Janet is an accomplished radio and television personality who now brings her experience and a wealth of guests to VoiceAmerica.com. We'll feature discussions about food and drink, nutrition, lifestyles, and fitness, just to name a few. We'll talk about current events and what you want to hear about, too. The show is called Food for Thought. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacey Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacey's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ken Herman. Our topic is living a meaningful family caregiver life. So, Ken, I want to talk more about the things you call core effects and the way these may get in the way of achieving a meaningful caregiver life. So the first question is this. Some family caregivers say that no matter how hard they work in caring for their family member, they always feel that they aren't doing enough. So as a psychologist, how do you explain this? What what lies behind that feeling? Because these people always seem to be working extremely hard. Let me me tell you a story that, that will answer your question. A woman came in to see me. And I, and I always say to people, you know, what brings you here? She said, I have terrible guilt. I said, why do you have terrible guilt? She said, I just can't do all of the things that I want to do. She said, I'm a director of nursing. I have three children. I have a, a husband to attend to. And I, and I have a sister in a nursing home. And I, you know, visit her as often as I, do, as I can. My life is pretty good. You know, and she she has this, she's restricted to a nursing home, and I feel guilty that I'm not there all the time. I said, is it realistic that you can be there all the time? She said, I can't be there all the time. I have a job. I have a home to take care of. I have a husband to take care of. I have children to take care of. So I said, what, have, you, have you discussed this with your sister? She said, how can I discuss it? My life is so good. Her life is so poor. I said, well, I can tell you this, that guilt is a worthless emotion. I said, listening to you, you haven't done anything wrong. I said, you unrealistically think you can be with your sister all the time. I said, you have to talk to your sister. She said, what can I say to my sister? I said, what would you like to say to your sister? She said, I would like to say that it's not realistic for me to be there all the time, like you just said, but, uh, you know, she's... She's sick, and I just can't confront her. Well, I said, you want to get rid of your guilt? She said, yeah, really, that's why I'm here. I said, then you're going to have to talk to your sister and, and talk about what's, what's real. She said, well, tell me what to say. I said, I'm not going to tell you what to say. You're a director of nursing. I said, you're not, 
She said, I don't know what to do. I said, that's a helpless response. And I can tell from talking to you a short time, you're not a helpless person. I said, you've got to go realistically talk to your, your sister. So a week went by. She came back and uh, had a smile on her face. I said, you're smiling. I said, you, you don't seem so guilty right now. She said, I feel great. I said, why do you feel great? What did you do? I said, I went to my sister, she said, and I said to her, I got a solution to the problem. I said, you want me to be here all the time. I'm going to leave my husband. I'm going to get somebody to take care of my kids, and I'm going to quit my job. She said, and my sister smiled, and she said, I've been, I've been making too many demands on you. She said, I've been thinking about that. And she, and they, she said, we hugged. And she said, now I feel a load off my mind. You see, she confronted her sister. She told her in her own way that it was unrealistic to be there, and the guilt was relieved, and now she can enjoy her family and her job. And uh, what did you learn from that, Dr. Now? See? <laughs> yes. I mean, that is a, is a perfect illustration of how people torture themselves. Yes. And the kind of response that you gave, the kind of advice you gave, points them to a work, something they can do to address the situation. Now, I have another question about family caregivers, and it's that some of them don't receive all the help they need, even though they know it's there for them. How do you explain that? Uh, tell me a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, um, there's all kinds of help in in North America for family caregivers. And sometimes you hear about family caregivers who really aren't taking up all the opportunities for help um, that could really be helpful to them. Yet they know it's out there. Now, what... what What's the kind of advice that you would give to people who basically aren't accepting all the help that they could accept? Sometimes people don't know how to go about getting that help. And, and, it, and it's, it's a big assistance to go to a social worker or a social agency to find out what's available from Medicaid, what's available from Medicare, what, what social agencies will come in and, and give you some assistance. There is an awful lot of help. There's, there's help for the blind and help, help, help for the deaf, all kinds of help. But sometimes people are not sophisticated enough to know how to go about getting it, and they should contact a social worker, somebody that's familiar with local services that could, that could help them. There's, there, there are meals that can be brought in. There's assisted nursing that can, can help. There's all kinds of help. So... People have to seek that out and uh, talk to maybe their clergy, their doctor, or somebody to give them some direction if they don't know what to do. It's almost as though they need a navigator to help them get through the doors and get to the right sort of places and explain what's going on. That's yeah, and w once they do, they'll be very re they'll be relieved because they, it's a big job, as you initially pointed out. It's a big task, and all the help you can get is is makes it makes it uh, easier to deal with right now another one some family caregivers sometimes not all 
say that they are simply not up to the job of family caregiving, when in fact they're doing very well. How do you explain that? And what's the advice you would give there? Yeah, it gets back to if you're confident and if you respect yourself and you're proud of yourself, you internalize your strengths. You give yourself credit for what you're doing. You know, and uh, rather than, than finding fault for what you're doing and feel you're not doing enough, I think if people would make a list of all the things they are doing, they would see that they deserve a lot of credit. Right. Now, another one, some family caregivers are, I think, or some other people think, sometimes excessively affected by frustration, stress, and even anger. How do you explain that? Where does that have its roots sometimes? Frustration, stress, and anger. I'm thinking of one woman that I know that has uh, nine sisters and brothers and is solely taking care of her mother and getting very angry with all her sisters and brothers and angry with herself because she's not dealing with it. And she called a meeting, a family meeting. She called them all together, and she said, James, she said, I called you to ask you to help with mother. You told me, call me if you needed. Why did you think I was calling you? She confronted each one of them, and she said, this is our mother, not my mother, our mother. And she said, and I need help, and, uh, and, and, you, and you haven't been available. And she, and she made up a roster and, uh, and uh, gave them each assignments and got them all involved. And did it work out? It, it, it worked out because, you know, she engineered it that way. She said, this is ridiculous. She said, all, all these brothers and sisters and nobody's helping me. Nobody's helping me with the laundry. Nobody's helping me, you know, with, with the things that mother needs. Right, right. Now, um, there's a still another question. You know, and, and one, on. let me add one more thing. Yeah. If you're angry, if you're angry as a caregiver or if you're angry as a person and you don't deal with it, you know what you start doing? Start talking to yourself, but it's not effective. You say to, what you, you say to yourself what you'd like to say to somebody else, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's another thing, another question. Some family caregivers, and I've, I've heard this several times now, say how alone they feel. Now, while many do connect with other family caregivers, some don't. How, how do you explain the fact that some people don't want to connect with others, apparently, and yet they still feel alone? How, what, what's the explanation for that? Well, you know, m most people are afraid when they're afraid of, Afraid of failure, or they're afraid of a rejection, you know. And uh, I don't know. The more the more people you can involve in a team approach, and there 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 are many agencies that that, that offer services that that can be very helpful to caregivers. It's it's uh, it's it's not a task to be. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a burden if you kind of share it with somebody. Even if, even if you, you know, discuss it with a neighbor or, or some of your friends, it's, it's not, not a good idea to isolate yourself when you, when you have a, a task like that. Yeah. I hear that, what you've just said also, very clearly, that 
when people start out on first start out on this road of family caregiving because it is a road um, they they say I felt alone and then what sometimes happens is other people the givers turn around see them starting out on the road and reach back to help them along and then in due course the person they've helped starts helping others so this sense of what you know this what you've just said is do connect do talk with other people uh, I think you agree with me on this because this is the way of not only getting help but also benefiting from it uh, am I basically on track when I say that to you absolutely because people like to join in and be of help and be of support you know and let, let me t we have time to me tell you about a personal experience I'm going to caregivers. I'm going to stop you only because we're going into the break in a few Okay. Minutes, and I'll come back to you, and you can tell us about that after the break. Okay. So let's go into the break now. Um, it is that time. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Dr. Kenneth Herman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Katherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Two views. Different topics. Questions. Answers. News. And advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Kenneth Herman. Our topic is living a meaningful family caregiver life. So uh, we're talking still about these things, Ken, that you call core effects and how these can best be addressed by family caregivers seeking the meaningful family caregiver life. Now, you've already said quite a lot uh, about these, but I cut you off. You're about to tell a story. I have an interesting personal story that could Carry be, on. I think, advantageous to, to especially the caregivers and families. Uh, some years ago, my mother-in-law suffered a stroke at age 78. Her uh, residence was in Boston. We live in New Jersey. My wife and I have four, four children. And uh, we went to visit her in a uh, rehabilitation center up there and immediately decided that she wasn't getting good care uh, and made the decision that we were going to take her into our home. So it takes a lot of preparation. We, uh, we selected a room in the house on the ground floor with a bathroom. We, we purchased a hospital bed. We hired a woman to come in each day and give her a bath, uh, and, and we, we sat down as a family and we talked about what we were going to do, and for four and a half years, we had a great experience, and she had a great four and a half years, and uh, the children were so, my, my youngest daughter was so interested in caring for grandma that she became a physician. And uh, all of the children helped, and it was a family affair. And uh, the, she had four and a half wonderful years before before she died. And uh, not you know not every family can take a caregiver in, into their home, but even even if you can't, and and the, and you've provided a facility for them, don't don't abandon the elderly. I mean, feel, the, feel and accept the responsibility of taking care of especially people that are family, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers. I mean, it's, uh, it's a wonderful experience, and, uh, and uh, we, talk, we still, you know, she's gone some years now, but we still talk about all the experiences. Uh, she came into our home. She was fearful of the dog. It took about two weeks for her to fall in love with the dog. <laughs> we had a lot of lot of wonderful experiences. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question that flows from that, Ken, and that's this: that before we had health, big healthcare systems, you know, go back as far as you like, families looked after themselves, and therefore family caregiving was very, very often, wasn't it, the only kind of caregiving that was actually available. Now, gradually, my profession and yours sort of took over and nursing came along and all those kinds of things which helped. But what you've just been describing in your family was a, a tradition, a human tradition that goes back as far as humanity goes back. That's right, uh, isn't it? Uh I don't know if it was, it, it's it's a responsibility that when I when I built my home the home we live in now I I made sure that there was a room 
in a bathroom on the first floor in the event that we had a parent living, a parent that could live with us. Unfortunately, my my parents died before we we had the house, but uh, it came true that we were able to take care of my mother. Well, I planned for it even before we had the problem. Yeah. So, in other words, it's a sort of principle in a way that yeah. people live by. Now, I'm going to go back to your core effects because. These, these are important insights, and you've got so much expertise about them. Now, you have talked about uh, overcoming guilt um, with the very busy um, vice president of nursing and how she dealt with it. But have you any other stories about how care, family caregivers can or have approached this question of overcoming their sense of guilt that they're not doing enough? It's, it's not solely, solely the emotion of guilt. Depression uh, rears its ugly head at times. And most of depression stems from self-deprecating thinking, people putting themselves down. Everybody is special. Here's another little story. Uh, I was in the inauguration of uh, a new president at Columbia University, and, uh, you know, they make a big big thing of it. Uh, presidents come from all over the country, and we all appear in academic regalia. And, uh, and this girl said to me, uh, who was helping me with my, with my gown, she said, are you somebody very important? Are you somebody special? I said, yes, I am. And you are somebody special, too. And that's the message I'd like to get to your caregivers. Yeah. They're special, they're important, and if you feel important, you treat yourself with respect. You, you don't find fault with yourself, because if you find fault with yourself, you're going to get down, and you're not going to be able to do your job or live a very happy life. F find your strengths and, and emphasize them. Internalize your strengths. Say good things about yourself. Don't find fault with yourself. Don't be, don't be critical of yourself. And that, that eliminates most depression, believe me. And does it also help with the feeling of anger that sometimes people have? Do depression and anger go together in that way? Uh, the, the, uh, un underlying uh, fear is... Uh, let me put it to you this way. You know... Anxiety, underlying anxiety is fear. And if people can, can face what they're afraid of, the fear is diminished. If they can face what they're afraid of, the fear is lessened. And if they, if they keep putting off looking at what they're afraid of because of their anxious feeling, the fear is going to be heightened. So if you can put up with being uncomfortable a little bit and face what you're afraid of, you're going to be successful, and you're not going to be anxious, and you're not going to be fearful. Now, this question of depression, as you very well know, um, is very important because a lot of people um, are affected by it to various degrees, and it gets in the way of a lot of good lives. So I want to think about I ask you to think about something that I think is related to it, but you may think otherwise. There's a tendency for some people, and I think you've referred to it, um, 
to indulge in negative thinking. And I think this is what you're discussing when you say people are being... Self-deprecating thoughts. That's negative thinking. That's finding fault with yourself. Yeah. Is that part of this picture of being depressed as well? Well, it's, it's, it's depressing to find fault with yourself. Yeah. 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 But if you're feeling a bit down and things haven't gone very well, uh, it's sometimes tough to be optimistic and you tend to reflect on what you didn't do and why things went wrong and you go into the, if only I had done this routine. Yeah, but that type, of, that type of thinking doesn't make things better. If you have a problem, whatever it is, stand back, feel the confidence to say, you know, what's the best thing I should do? What should I do? How should I, how should I handle this problem without becoming immobilized? You have to be, here's, 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 this explains it very well. You have to be like a ball player out in the field, hoping every ball comes to you so that you can improve your ball playing. You can't be standing there saying, gee, I hope it doesn't come to me. I'm going to miss it. People are going to laugh at me. I'm going to do something wrong. You've got to have the confidence to know that you're going to feel that ball the best that you can, and that's the way you have to lead life. Yeah, that's, that's very important in the sense that you're almost inviting challenges so you can respond to them and deal with them and feel and strong. stronger. Yeah. And become stronger. Yeah. Now, something in your book about people with poor self-concept. What does that mean, and how does that fit into the picture that you've just been talking about? If you feel strong about yourself, if you like yourself, if you're proud of yourself, if you do healthy things, you know, if you protect your integrity, if you like yourself and someone finds fault with you, that's not your problem. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. What about if somebody... Now, people being negative about you and just criticizing you for the sake of it, um, is obviously very unhelpful, whatever it, the intention are. But sometimes people are being critical to try to be helpful. How do you stop what you might call constructive criticism uh, from becoming a bit of a downer and making you look at yourself critically and having a poor self-concept? How do you deal with that one? Now you screen it. You screen it. If it's inappropriate criticism, you know you don't you don't let it bother you. You're doing the best possible job you can. You know you protect yourself. You protect your integrity. You know you just don't accept negative criticism if it's, if you feel it's not warranted. If it's constructive criticism, you know learn from it. But you know if it's just criticism for criticism. Uh, you may be dealing with somebody that you really can't communicate. And uh, then you say to yourself, you can knock on a deaf man's door forever. You know, this is not a person that really even understands what I'm, you know, what I'm living through and what I'm doing. Right. You take it from its source. So in other words, the family caregiver um, needs to make a distinction between advice about how to do something different because it may be better and criticism 
just for criticism's sake. Is that right? Is that well, criticism toward, you know, a personal criticism. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. every, everybody will, you know, accept suggestions, but personal criticism is not warranted. If you're trying the best that you can, you don't feel you deserve, that's abuse. Yeah. yeah. So protect yourself. Yes. Yeah. Okay, this is this is very good very good advice and a very good model to go to and I just want you to I just want to run past you kind of my interpretation of what you're saying and that is that you have to as a family caregiver, all of us who are in this role have to feel that we do deserve a pat on the back and that if things don't go quite according to plan every single day, that's something we will accept advice about, but isn't justification for any kind of criticism of a nasty kind, simply because we are doing our hard work, we're doing our best, and we feel proud of ourselves for what we're actually doing. That's right, isn't it? It's, that's right. Yeah, okay. Now, we've more to talk about, and it is, again, the time that we have to take the break, so we're going to take it now. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Ken Herman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You were born a visionary. How do you get closer to your personal vision? Tune in to Visionary Radio with Giselle. Our program is all about evidence-based positive change. Giselle and her guests will bring you stories of positive visions achieved. Hope and renewal designed to inspire you in ways that matter in your life, in ways that last and bring you closer to who and where you want to be. This program is for and about real people, and we want you to be a part of it too. Tune in to Visionary Radio with Giselle every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Kenneth Herman. Our topic is Living a Meaningful Family Caregiver Life. Now, I want to talk about more, Ken, about help for family caregivers to achieve a meaningful family caregiver life. So, Ken, where yes. should family caregivers turn to get help like you provide with the techniques you've been describing, where do they go if they don't? They go to a competent social, work, a licensed social worker or a psychologist, uh, not a psychiatrist, because psychiatrists are primarily giving medication these days and not available to talk too much. They go, they go to have a greater understanding of who they are if they're having some personal problems or how they can deal from a stronger emotional base. They go to a good social worker or a psychologist who, who will spend time talking with them and give them some insight into their behavior. They go to uh, self-help literature. Any, any good bookstore has a whole section on self-help literature. They become informed so they can, they can learn how to deal with their, their emotional life and become more confident and develop greater coping skills. I'm going to say it for you, and they should look on those bookshelves for Secrets from the Sofa by you. But that's well, it, it, is a, it is a very good, easy book to read. I mean, there are a lot of good books out there. The, the Road Less Traveled is a good book yeah. by, by Beck. Feeling Good by Dave Burns is an excellent book. My book is very simple to see yourself in. It's That's very easy to read. It's not very complicated. There are exercises to, to get involved with. And for as little as $3, you can get it as an, as an e-book on, on, uh, on uh, the Internet. And it's wherever books are sold, Secrets from the Sofa. Uh, All right, now I'm going to, because we're going to again run into time problems, so I'm going to ask you another question. The healthcare system and the social support systems, how well do they understand the challenges for family caregivers achieving a meaningful family caregiver life? What advice do you have for family caregivers or working with the healthcare system, social support system, who perhaps feel that they're not getting the kind of advice you think they should be getting. What's your advice? Well, I, I would tell them to continue to explore because there are many free services available, such as I mentioned before, meals on wheels and, and nursing uh, nurses that will come into the home free. There's all kinds of literature that's available. The, the center that I'm, that, that I'm involved in, the, it's called the Bergen Volunteer Medical Initiative, BVMI in Hackensack, New Jersey, we're seeing patients in a primary medical care center free. All the doctors are, are volunteer doctors. We're running a, a, a and, and there, are, there are maybe 70 or 80 of these centers in the country for the uninsured. But for uh, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and many social services available, and people should uh, you know, if they're having difficulty locating the availability of the services in their area, they should talk to, talk to their doctor. They should talk to their, their, their clergy, somebody that can help them identify all these agencies because there's, there's plenty of help. Right. Good. 
Now, what's your message of hope to family caregivers who are striving to achieve a meaningful family caregiver life? And Ken, the reason I'm asking you that question is because I believe that the family caregiver is going to be more necessary even than they are now in the future because of all the stresses and strains on the healthcare system and everything else. So what's your message of hope to the family caregivers now and in the future? As far-reaching effects. You know, uh, none of us get out alive, and as we get older, we get weaker, and we may need somebody to care for us. And I'm sure, having had my mother-in-law in our home for four years with all the children helping, will will plant a seed in their minds as, you know, as my wife and I get older and and uh, their in-laws and everybody gets older, that, that the responsible thing to do uh, is to show that you're a caring person. And again, if uh, any of your listeners are out there and helping somebody else, I congratulate you. Pat yourself on the back, as I say, and and uh, be very be very proud of what you're doing because you're really doing a great service to whoever you're showing love and care to. Ken, you're telling us to walk tall, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Pat yourself on the back. That's the way I put it. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I just want to make a comment about the importance of family caregiving. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about mental ill health, you know, mental health conditions and this kind of thing. And more and more, and you've made the point, Ken, we're starting to understand that medications may be helpful, but they're really not curing anything. And putting people in institutions doesn't necessarily cure anything either. What does help, and what does help enormously, is the family caregiving, is where the family does, as your family did, um, bring somebody in, care for them, give them a pleasant, warm environment with a dog, maybe. Even the dog played a role. Yeah, exactly right. He's so in love with the dog. That's right. And that creates a healthy environment in every respect, but particularly where there are things like depression or anxiety or some of the worst kind of mental health conditions that are so troublesome. So the message you're giving to family caregivers is actually a message that should be going out, I think, widely within healthcare to recognize that the future lies with family caregivers who have a meaningful life. And so that's the point at which I'd like to end this particular episode because it's such a powerful message. Ken, and thank you for giving it to us. My pleasure. Okay. Now I want to say thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with your comments and questions. And I want to say a special thank you to Ken for sharing with us not just your experience and your insights and your advice, but that notion of people giving themselves a pat on the back. That's thrilling, exciting, it's exhilarating, and it's right. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about home care for family members by family caregivers working with professional caregivers. So please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.